0: I would love for you to, if you're taking notes, write at the top of your notes, Jehovah Rohai, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rohai, the Lord my shepherd. Now last week, Jacob did a phenomenal job talking about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And over the first three weeks, we looked at Jehovah, the great I am. We know that this is God's personal name. What is revealed to us in Exodus chapter 3. And before that, we looked at Elohim, how he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Well, tonight we continue to another name, which is Jehovah Rohah, the Lord my shepherd. But I want to tell you from the very beginning, last week on a Wednesday night, I was headed to off-campus life groups. Small plug, if you're interested in getting involved in our life groups, we would love to have you there. Come out on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock and you'll find community. I was on my way to off-campus life groups and I ran out of gas. I was like this close. <laughs> I pulled into the gas station barely. I mean, my thing was like under E and I was still going. How many of you drive your car all the way till it gets to E and then fill it up? you be honest. Some of you are like, the car's there right now. <laughs> pulled in tonight, barely made it. <laughs> Gonna have to have somebody get me some gas, right? We run it down to E. I know you do, my wife does, she's guilty of it too. And then I gotta go take their car and fill it up. I know you do that and I do too. Well, I pulled into a Circle K. <laughs> There's some, uh, I'm gonna just be honest. Circle K is a sketchy gas station. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Somebody's like, hey man, <laughs> I've had a bad experience there. See, listen, I'm not hating on Circle K. The Circle K manager's watching right now, like you gotta be kidding me, <laughs> you know? I'm not hating on Circle K, but I've just had nothing but sketchy encounters at Circle K. I, why anyone would go there to get a coffee and a hot dog, I don't know, but people do. And I was there late at night and I was sketched out by Circle K and I was pumping gas in my car and every time I get gas, especially at night, I think about something that I saw on the internet. It's not funny at all. This, ain't, this is no laughing matter here. <laughs> but I was uh, pumping gas. And every time I'm pumping gas, I think about this video I saw back in the day. There's a video of someone pumping gas at the gas station. And in the video, it shows what people are called sliders. Raise your hand if you know what a slider is. Not like a cheeseburger slider. Something like I love those Hueys. <laughs> no, like a slider. Here's what it is. I didn't know either. Here's what it is. And this is why you got to be mindful. This is your safety tip of the night. I'm going to tell you how you can come to know the Lord and then also how you can be safe at gas stations. Uh, When you're pumping gas, you're on one side of the car and you have a blind spot. You can't see the other side of the car. So sliders, I watched this video. A slider is someone who preys on people at gas stations. And they prey on people. And what they do is they, they wait until the person is pumping gas. And then you've seen videos like this. They'll sneak up, Trey, to the side of the car and they do one of two things, really. I told you it ain't funny. They open the passenger door while the person is pumping gas on the other side of the car, and they take the, the valuables that they can find. Here's a here's a wallet, maybe. They left their phone in the car, a glove compartment, stuff like that. Or, in worse scenarios, they get into the back seat of the car. It's terrifying, but it's real. They get into the back seat of the car. They duck down and they wait till someone gets inside the car, and that's where they've got them kidnapping. And I've always thought about this. Ever since I've seen that video, I'm always on edge when I'm pumping gas, especially at Circle K's late at night because like, that's like prime time for them. <laughs> that's like the NBA finals for sliders. They're like, oh, Circle K, I got them. This guy's focused on a hot dog. He don't even know what's going on. And as I was pumping gas, I was thinking about that concept, Cheyenne, and then I thought about a verse in Scripture from the book of John. You're familiar with it. The first part of that verse says, John 10, the thief comes Only to kill, steal, and destroy. You ever heard that verse before? Put your hands up if you heard it. John 10, 10, the first part says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right here, look at this. And I thought about this as I was pumping gas. I thought about that concept of sliders at a gas station. Here's what I realized. We have an enemy called the devil, and we also have people in this world who are deceitful and love to cause evil. And what I realize is the devil operates just like sliders do at gas stations. Are you ready for this? Watch this. The devil waits nearly until you have a blind spot. And then he comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes the devil wants to come in and just like sliders in your car, they want to take whatever they can find that's valuable. Ooh, I can take his joy. Ooh, I can try to take his, his, his peace. Ooh, I can try to take this or I can take that. In worst case scenarios, the devil just tries to destroy you altogether. I'm going to come after him and try to destroy his faith. And as I thought about this at the gas station, it's so real and so raw. Let me just ask you. This is what I ask myself, and this is what I want you to ask yourself. Do you have any spiritual, watch, blind spots? Do you have any spiritual blind spots that the thief, the devil, can come in and cause havoc where you don't even know what happened? You know, most times in these situations, the person gets off with the goods before they ever even realize they were there. And you know what? The devil's so smooth, sometimes he will cause havoc in your life before you even realize he's there. Hello? (laughs) But I love the rest of John 10, 10. I'm not just going to give you half a verse. Look at this. Look at what it says after that. The reason why we walk with Jesus daily is because of this right here. This is setting up the whole sermon. In John 10, verse 10 and 11, Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Why? Because I am the good shepherd. Say it with me. That last part. I am the good shepherd right here. Say it with me. I am the good shepherd. Amen. Listen, sheeps are at risk of wolves, foxes, all kind of stuff. But those wolves and foxes don't stand a chance against the shepherd. And let me tell you something. You're going to have blind spots in your faith. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You're going to have blind spots. But if you're walking with Jesus Christ, the devil can do nothing to the good shepherd. How many of you know that? Can't do nothing. The problem is, I see you in the back holding up your hand. That's what I'm talking about. The reason, the problem is we don't walk with the shepherd. We don't walk with Jesus. And so when we're not in God's word and in God's prayer and in prayer with God, the devil causes havoc on our lives. What I want to talk to you about tonight is sheep and the shepherd. Now, the concept you have to understand before we dive into Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is classic. People get it tattooed on them. People memorize it. It has been in TV shows. It has been in movies. This is not new scripture to you. What I pray is that I'm able to give you fresh eyes to it. You have to understand that when the devil comes to attack you, if it's just you and the devil, the devil's going to win. You say, why? And I'll tell you why. Do not underestimate the devil. In comparison to Jesus, he's a loser and has nothing good going. But if it's you and me against the devil, well, the devil has been, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but think about this, Alexis. The devil has been tempting people far longer than you and I have been resisting temptation. <laughs> you realize the devil has got thousands of years experience in tempting people and you and I are at a max like 18, 19 years. (laughs) It's literally a rookie going up against somebody who knows how to tempt people. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, if you're not in prayer and if you're not in God's word, you are not equipped with the power to overcome that temptation in the first place. You need Jesus Christ. He is your protector. He is your defender. He will fight your battles. He will be faithful when you are faithless. He will come through. You need Jesus Christ. To you and me, the devil looks like a lion. To Jesus, he looks like a mouse. Amen? Amen. I heard someone once say, I think it was Pastor Gaines, I heard someone once say that the Bible describes, are you ready for this? Watch this, don't miss this. The Bible describes Jesus and Satan. Both as lions. Here's the difference one of them is on a leash, and one of them is on the throne. (laughs) Which one are you walking with tonight? Now, Psalm 23 is one of King David, one of the greatest kings Israel ever had. And King David wrote this beautiful psalm from experience. He was a shepherd. God used shepherding to teach David how to shepherd a nation. And so David knows a thing or two about what he's talking about tonight. I usually read from the CSB, but for Psalm 23, I'm going to be reading from the NASB version of the Bible. Look with me at verse 1 of Psalm 23. This will be on the screen for you. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Just there alone, so many people read that and miss so much that that one sentence has to offer. We'll come back to that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, CSB says, I have what I need. The reason why we don't let the Lord shepherd us is because we don't believe we have what we need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness sake and righteousness for his name's sake. David says in verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm reminded of Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? 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 Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. What do those two represent? The rod and the staff. We'll come back to that. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Don't miss this line right here. You need to underline this line. You have anointed my head with oil. That's weird. We don't see people doing that today. We don't walk around campus and see somebody having their head anointed with oil, right? That'd be a little weird. <laughs> what does that mean? We're going to come back to that as well. We've got a lot to dig into tonight. David then says, my cup overflows. The last verse that I wish we had more time to expand on tonight, but we don't. Surely, goodness and loving kindness. Two things here. Surely, goodness and loving kindness. Two sheepdogs will follow me all the days of my life. And I, David says, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is this psalm not beautiful or what? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't open your word just hoping to hear. We open your word expecting to hear. Father, if you don't do anything else for us tonight, you have already done far too much for us. God, we thank you that you are a God who when we lean into you, you lean your ear into us. When we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is willing to strengthen us and help us and uphold us with your righteous right hand. And God, we do rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus from this place. Distractions and discouragement are rebuked. He's a loser. He has no hold here. Father, I pray tonight there will be those in the room who are freed from the chains of sin for the first time. I pray that there are believers who are freed from the chains they've put on themselves of sin. Father, I pray we would be encouraged and convicted tonight. I pray that you would call missionaries overseas, call pastors tonight, call full-time engineers who make disciples tonight. Father, I pray that you would move in unique, specific, individual ways in this room, God, and we believe you will. Because we have seen you faithful, and tonight we want to hear from you. Who cares what I have to say? Father, let me get out of the way so that you can speak. Lord, we love you, and if that's your prayer tonight, will you say amen? Amen. Hey, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I've got two questions for you tonight. Very easy. Number one, the first question I want you to ponder is, is the Lord your personal shepherd? Question number one, is the Lord your personal shepherd? Now, notice two things here in verse one that you probably missed. I want you to underline two things. Underline the word is and underline the word my. (laughs) Okay. That right there, David, is communicating the nature and the character of God. Right there with the word is and my. We all know about shepherd, but is and my. Watch this. David is speaking in the present tense. Did you notice that? David is speaking in the present tense. He is saying that God is his current shepherd. David is communicating that he is walking with God today. Eva, he is not just walking with God yesterday. David is communicating that God is a right now God. You see, for a lot of Christians, I see it in college students. They do something amazing for the Lord last year and they try to live on that for a year. (laughs) I watch a lot of college students make one disciple and they try to ride on that for a year and say, I don't have to devote any more time to making disciples or sharing the gospel or building relationships with lost people. I I introduced myself to one guest last semester, so I'm just gonna be buddy-buddy with everybody at The View. Listen, I gotta tell you, David is not living on his faith of yesterday. David is living on his faith of today. Which one are you and I living on? It's great you've been in church since you were eight. What are you doing right now? Is Jesus shepherding you today? David is communicating that God is his shepherd in the present tense. We cannot live on our faith of yesterday. That's huge. Is. Now, Isaiah 40, verse 1, tells us more about God's character. It says God protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arm and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Now, I want you to write this down. What I believe is saying here in this chapter, right here, very clearly, is that God is a full-time shepherd God is a full-time shepherd. In other words, God is not a part-time shepherd. How do we know that? Because God is not a part-time God. That means a full-time God doesn't do anything part-time. I got to tell you another reason. If God is a full-time God, God is not looking for part-time sheep. (laughs) I got to tell you, Jesus is not calling part-time disciples How many of you work jobs? Let me see your hand. You work a job, right? You're probably part time, meaning you have one foot involved in that world, but your other foot is involved in your family and school and the view and all these other things. You are split between two worlds. See, that's how Christians want to do with their faith. They want to have one foot living for Jesus over here on Monday and Sunday, but their other foot's living for something else over here. Jesus is not calling part-time disciples. He has you at your work to be a light. He has you in this place to be a light. You don't believe me. Luke 9, 23, verse 26, Jesus lays it out very clear. It convicts me every time I read it. Jesus said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever, really think about this here. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. You're holding on to a love of money, a love of sexual immorality, a love of yourself and pride. You're going to lose your life. But whoever is willing to lose his life, that does not mean you die right now. That means you die to self. And you start to live for him, which means your job, your career, your calling, your degree, all of it is not for you. It's for the Lord God Almighty. If he will do that, if he will say, I am a blank check, God, do whatever you have with me, he will save his life. Jesus goes on to say in the following verses right after it, what does it benefit? Other translations say, what does it profit? We all know about profit because we work and we save money to pay for college. What does it profit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? In other words, what good is it if you gain all this money and all these kingdoms and all this fame and you've got an incredible Instagram and TikTok following, what good is it if you gain all that and lose your soul? Why do we see so many celebrities gain everything and then overdose? Because they spend their whole life trying to get to the mountaintop of earth, and they get up there and they realize this is the loneliest place you could be (laughs) if you don't know Jesus. Man, let me level with you. As someone who used to crave money and attention and fame and, and coaching, I wanted to win games so people respected me. As someone who used to love it, let me tell you something. Loving and chasing after this world will ruin your soul. I ain't preaching with you. I'm leveling with you. I'm talking to you. It ruined my soul. And then I realized if I gain Jesus, I have gained everything I could ever need. The verse ain't even done. You know, like oh, please in this verse, Rebecca's like please in this Luke nine passage. I got to give you one more Luke verse twenty six. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Sheesh. Ouch! It convicts me because when I walk in a Circle K and I see someone standing there and they want to engage in a conversation with me, but I'm so busy with my life, I can't stop to tell them about the gospel. I'm too busy. If I can't stop and share the gospel with a stranger, I've got far too much going on. It's not God who's calling me away from that situation. I'm not saying every single time you come in contact with a stranger, there's situations you have to be safe. You have to protect yourself and all those things. But if you and I are giving up clear gospel opportunities because we are ashamed of Jesus Christ, that will come back on us. And Jesus says it in Luke 9. So right now in your life, think, don't just make this a Monday thing. We are not a Monday-only ministry. Who in your life could God be calling you to be bold about him this week? Where? I guarantee you there's somebody. If not, your mindset's got to change. Now, carrying your cross is never easy, but we have a God who is always with us, helping us. How many of you believe that God is always with us? Amen? Look at this in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. The psalmist says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I fly on the wings of dawn and settle down on the western horizon. Verse 10, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. Look at me. The question is not how often is God available to you? The question is, how often are you making yourself available to God? How often? Hour a week? Ten minutes a day? Never think about it again? How much? (laughs) I wrote this down. It stuck with me all week long. If your time with God is an afterthought, do not be surprised when your thoughts chase after sin. What's crazy is, God has made himself, Chris, available to us all the time. We can literally go and fall at his feet and talk to him and cry to him and weep with him. Anytime we want to, he's always available and we never take advantage of that opportunity. Yet many of us, if we're honest, we crave the attention of other human beings who never make themselves available to us. It hit my heart too. Like there's people in your life that think they're a big deal and they don't make themselves available to you and you want so badly to be available with them. Yet the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is a big deal, humbled himself and came down so he wasn't a big deal, died on a cross, resurrected three days later. And you can spend time with him whenever you want to. And you're too busy focused on somebody out there who does not care at all about being available to you. You could overcome that desire to be seen by man if you would lay at Jesus' feet and realize you are seen by God. That's not in my notes. I don't know who that's for. <laughs> that's how God works. God will add things that I have no idea what I'm saying, but I trust the Lord. That's for somebody tonight. I need to keep moving. If your day does not begin with God, how in the world can you devote your day to God. <laughs> I had a college student talk to me last week. He told me, man, Daniel, two of the hardest moments of temptation. Are you ready for this? A college student doing the college life. He said, two of the hardest moments to overcome temptation is the moment I wake up in the morning and the moment I go to bed. You been there? You literally wake up in the morning and Satan tries to get sin onto your mind. And if you don't spend that time with God, if you're not willing to take that captive, sin is going to be on your mind all day long. If you wake up with pride on your mind, do not be surprised when you have prideful actions come out through the day. We're just talking. It's just you and me. We're just talking. If you wake up with lust on your mind and you don't do anything about it, you take it to God, don't be surprised when your day is nothing but lust. It's so simple. But if you wake up and you're willing to start your day with God, you will be amazed at how much God is on your mind throughout that day. We make it so complicated, but it's so simple. And when you lie down at night, Satan comes after you like he just wants to devour you with temptation. I know you're going through it. I go through it too. He starts to get you to reiterate things of your day. How could I have done this better? What does he or she think of me? And and all these things, lust, and all these thoughts going into your brain, and and social media don't make it any better because you start having a panic attack of anxiety. And as soon as you have an ounce of anxiety, what do we do? Let me grab my phone. Open up Instagram. There it is. Like, you hear the phone ringing, like, right about that moment. Like, literally, the devil will set off your alarm sometimes. And you're like, I didn't set an alarm. Just remember, it was the devil probably. (laughs) And you look at it, and you get on Instagram, and what do you see? You see all these people who got everything put together, and they're so happy. And you're laying there in bed thinking, I'm not. It's this endless, endless, endless cycle. That's why David says in Psalm 63.8, you need to write this down, 63.6. David says, when I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. It's great to think about God here. It's great to talk about God at lunch. But sin is going to continue to beat you over the head until you're willing to think about God in the morning and before you go to bed. David also says, my. Moving very quickly here. He does not say our shepherd, he says, my. If you're in a personal relationship with God, how much do you know what God has said? (laughs) See, I'm married to my wife, I love my wife, I'm not a very good listener. (laughs) She says things and I don't catch them. She tells me about her day and I have boxed her out. I'm thinking about something else. I miss things she often says. How much I know my wife is very dependent on how much I know of what she has told me. I heard a hard question this week and I want to give it to you. It should be on the screen. Here it is. Let's put that on the screen. If you were thrown into prison tonight for the rest of your life with no Bible and the only scripture you had was what you had memorized, how much of God's word would you have? A verse, a chapter, 5%, 10%, 80%. How much is it for you? I don't need you to tell me. I just need you to know so you and I can be willing to up our game with Scripture memory a little bit. See, if he is your personal shepherd, shouldn't you and I know a little bit about what he has said in his word? So I want to challenge you. Scripture memory is hard. We all in the same boat. If you're in a personal relationship with Jehovah. Jehovah Rohit, your shepherd, how much of his word do you know? Now, before I move on to the next question, people love my dad. I want to tell you this. People love my dad. And I love my dad. He's watching the live stream tonight. My dad is amazing. He is a mechanic. He's been a mechanic for a lot of years now. And as he fixes cars, he loves to listen to Elvis Presley. (laughs) It is amazing. If you walk into my parents' backyard, you will hear two things. You will hear engines going and Elvis playing. I mean, it's a guarantee. He loves Elvis, and he loves riding his bike, and he's an amazing guy. What's so cool about my dad is that my dad fixes cars, and I don't want to ever use my stage to plug anything, but if you're looking for car work, my dad's name is David Harris. He would love to help you out a little bit. You let me know, I'll get you his car. Some of you are like, is he being serious? Kind of. (laughs) Let me know afterwards if your car is broken down. My dad's a mechanic. a mechanic. And what's amazing is he's fixed a lot of people's cars here at Bellevue. So here's what's crazy. Uh, salsa, he'll uh, nice chop tonight. You look good. Uh, my dad, I'll be walking through Bellevue, and uh, people will stop me. Seriously, the high school pastor, Steve Spence, was like, dude, I love your dad. I'm like, man, that's great. Like, I do too. You know? How do you know my dad? And I'm like, fix your Jeep, right? And my dad fixes people's cars. And so people talk about my dad all the time around me. Here's what's crazy. People talk about my dad all the time, but I've still got to go spend time with them. Why? Just because you hear someone talking about your dad doesn't mean you're spending time with him. A lot of Christians hear people talk about God their father all the time. Man, they hear God the father at church. They hear God the father at lunch. They see God the father on social media. They hear about Jesus everywhere. And they think because they hear about God their father, they're spending time with God. No. Just because you're here and you hear about your father does not mean you are spending time with him. What I have to do is, even though I hear about my dad all the time and how good he is, if I really do believe that, I'm gonna make time Ibuka to go sit down and hang out with my dad and have lunch. And you know what? If you really believe your father is good, like you just saying, you will make it a priority to sit down, get in his word, and pray to him. I've gotta move on. Question number two Do you view yourself as sheep? We talked about the Lord as our shepherd. Now let's talk about us. Let's talk about perspective on us. We see that God, excuse me, is our personal shepherd. He is our ever, he is our right now shepherd, but do you view yourself as sheep? Look at verse two. He, God, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now here's the thing. You will never... Follow Jesus as your shepherd until you come to a real understanding that you are sheep. You see, many of us don't understand that we are sheep, and that's why we don't follow Jesus as our shepherd. Or the dangerous part, this isn't in my notes, we want a savior, but we don't want a shepherd. Meaning we want Jesus to take care of us in the afterlife, but we don't really care what he does with us here in the present life. As long as we get to do what we want to do. People often want a savior, but they don't want a shepherd. Why? Because the sheep don't dictate where they're going. The shepherd does. Some of us know the minute we break down and really commit to Jesus and really choose to follow him, he's going to call us to do something we don't want to do. Nobody wants to go through a valley until it comes. I want to give you four qualities straight from Psalm 23 that teach us about sheep. The first one I want you to write it down is a dumb. (laughs) Some of you are like, I came out here for this. (laughs) What would you learn tonight at The View? Been hearing about that place? What would you learn? Pastor said I was dumb. You can call me a sinner, but don't call me dumb. <laughs> I'll have you know, Pastor, I got a 7.9 GPA. I got 42 on ACT. I'm a biomedical engineering major. And that's great. God has given us smarts. He's given us intelligence. Did you notice that that came from God, though? <laughs> Even on my best day, I can't take credit for anything that I do good. It all comes from the Lord anyway. What you and I have to understand is that just like sheep, we are dumb. Now, you will see seal trainers. You will see trainers of all kind of animals, but you will never see a sheep trainer. You will never see sheep doing uh, somersaults and backflips and stuff like that. They're just too dumb to be trained. They are quite possibly the dumbest animal on earth. I know that's a stretch. I don't know if we can measure that. You're like, okay, I'm checking out here. This guy doesn't know that. He has not seen some of the fish in my aquarium. Like, I don't know what the dumbest animal is, but sheep are up there. And it's almost as if God is trying to teach us a lesson through this. I know you're like, Daniel, please don't do this. But here's what's amazing. Watch this about sheep. (laughs) That's how dumb they are. Literally one sheep will start walking in a circle. (laughs) And then other sheep will notice and think that sheep's going somewhere, so they'll jump in and start walking in a circle too. So you'll have an entire herd of sheep walking in a circle, thinking they're going somewhere. As your pastor, if I'm not walking with God, all I'm doing is walking in a circle, and you guys, if you're not walking with God, are gonna walk in a circle too. And we will literally believe we are going somewhere. That's how dumb sheep are. And you know what? We do the same thing. We literally take one scenario and we go over it and over it and over it and over it. Well, does she like me? Does she not like me? Does he like me? Does he not like me? Left me on red for an hour. She ain't never done that. Why? Over and over and over and over. And we're going in circles and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize that our little whole day has been wasted because of going in a circle about things that really don't matter. I know it's funny, but when you think about Isaiah 53, 6, it makes it very clear. You're like, Daniel, show me where this says I'm like sheep in Scripture. I'll show you. Here it is. Isaiah 53, 6, we all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. The Lord put the punishment we deserve onto Christ the Messiah so that we can enter into heaven. As human beings, we are dumb. We are. Our generation especially, we are an emotional-driven generation. This is just you and me talking tonight, man. we we just talking here. We're talking about some serious stuff, but we're just talking. We are an emotional-driven generation. Generation. And what I want you to understand is I wrote this down, this won't be on the screen. I do want you to write this down if you can catch it. Level headed decisions are often lost due to emotional responses. Level headed decisions are often lost due to bad emotional responses. Our generation responds so emotionally about everything. Everything is personal. Everything is about me. Everything is trying to take me down, and it's a spike at me, and everybody's got my bad interest at heart. We make dumb decisions. We run back to ex-boyfriend and girlfriends that we have no business being with. We hold on to unforgiveness in our heart for years and years and years, thinking we're hurting that person when really we're killing ourselves. We make dumb emotional responses. The reason why many Christians won't let Jesus shepherd them is because they don't believe they're dumb. They are the sheep who is going in a circle and has convinced themselves they are going somewhere. Don't be that way. Literally, what's amazing about it is no matter how dumb you and I are, and believe me, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the tray. I tell my wife that all the time just to give her a heads up. I told her before we got married, I said, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the tray. God will use you. God will use you. That's what's amazing about this. It's literally a shepherd knows a sheep is dumb, but still calls the sheep to follow him. God knows that you have insecurities, you have flaws, you are broken, and yet God will choose to use you. If I can be real and transparent with you, I told Deontre as we were walking up tonight, I hate public speaking. I can't stand it. I've told you this on the live stream. When I would do speeches in school, my hands would literally shake, and I would look like a tree in the wind. I'm like, just shaking, scared to death to talk to people. I was like that in regular conversations, Kate. I mean, I struggled in regular social interactions. I was lost and broken, and none of me says public speaking. So the fact that God has called me to preach is just irony. It's literally him laughing at me the entire time saying, you thought you couldn't do this. And yet here I am doing it through you. I can't take credit for anything I say on this stage. I remember the kid who was shaking and scared to speak. I can't take credit for this. Don't you ever give me credit for anything I say. Unless it's of the flesh, it belongs to me. But anything of the spirit goes back to God. And you know what? You need to come to that understanding that you need God in every area, not some areas, every area. And he will use you. I'm telling you, man, as somebody who, like, Jesus is not theoretical for me. Like, it's not, this is not about church for me. I got into this because Jesus radically changed my life. That's why I do this. Like, this is not about us looking cute and having our study Bibles and all that. No, Jesus radically picked me up and changed my life, and he will do the same thing for you. That thing. They tell you in preaching, don't say thing. I'm going to say it. That thing you're so scared to do for God, if you would just... Step out in faith, you'd be so amazed at how he will use you. I wrote this down in my notes, it blessed my soul. I wrote this down God will call you to do things you aren't qualified to do, so that you get no glory and he gets all the glory. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Some of you are like, Move on, Daniel. I get it, (laughs) I'm a little dumb. Let's move on. B, defenseless. What we see very clearly from verse four is that sheep are defenseless. We got dumb and we got defenseless. My name's Daniel, so I start them all with D. Defenseless, verse four, look with me. Even though, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Why a rod and a staff? What does that represent? You know the Bible is full of symbolism. Why a rod and a staff? Write this down. The rod represents protection, and the staff represents direction. Those two things right there are enough for you to have peace. If nothing else, you have peace knowing that God, if you will trust him, he will provide you with all the protection and all the direction that you could ever have. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When's the last time you went into a public speech or the last time you went into a scary opportunity at work and you said, you know what, your rod and your staff are with me. They comfort me. Protection. Direction. Sheep are directionally challenged animals. We understand that they go in circles and it's so true because you think about the nation of Israel. Now dig here. Dig I see you all in the back dig here. Do you remember the nation of Israel and how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? Do not forget, they turned an 11-day trip into 40 years. Zach, because of their sin and their disobedience, they took an 11-day trip and made it into 40 years because they, just like we are, are directionally challenged people. We need someone guiding us, we need someone directing us. And the nation of Israel fell into that. I love what David says here, look at verse four, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, do you notice what David says? He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Valleys kindle are inevitable. And David says, I did not sit down and whine in the valley. Nowhere in that verse can you find David where he says, I stopped, I sat down, I cried, I felt bad for myself, I had a little bit of sorrow, I snapchatted at so-and-so and told her about the valley I'm in and the hardship I got going on. No, David said, I walked. <laughs> I went straight through it. Some of you are in a valley and what you have done <laughs> is this. <laughs> You literally are in a valley. You have a hardship. You have a battle. You have a Goliath before you. And what you have done before God is you have set down to whine in that valley. Oh, look at me. Woe is me. I'm never going to get out of this. God is not good. He's not with me. And you know what? It's because your eyes are on the shadows. Your eyes are not on the Shepherd. You're looking at the shadows that the valley, the mountains cast onto the valley, and you're so scared it's caused you to sit down. Instead of following God, Jesus said, follow me. So what David did is David, make sure I don't fall down here. (laughs) be bad. Video go viral, me tumbling. (laughs) David says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't stop. I keep following after the shepherd. Some of you are in that valley tonight. Don't stop. Hear me. Maybe that's all God wants you to hear tonight. Don't stop in the valley. Keep going. Keep going. I don't know what that valley is for you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your pride. Whatever that valley is, do not stop. Because what's fascinating, watch this, don't miss this, about valleys and mountains. You cannot go from mountaintop to mountaintop. The only way to go from one mountaintop to another is through a valley, Matthew. Some of you may be sitting on a mountaintop of yesterday and God's calling you to something amazing in your future. But you're so scared to accept it because you know it might mean going through the valley. (laughs) There's people in here who the Spirit of God is freeing from fear and pain and worry right now. Go forth. Follow after the shepherd. I love Deuteronomy 31 verse eight. I want you to write this verse down if you don't have it already. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. In the valley when it's dark, he will not leave you or abandon you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now there's an amazing part in this that I told you we were gonna come back to. I told you we were gonna come back to this. I want you to look right here at verse five. Underline, you have anointed my head with oil. What in the world does that mean? DeAndre is a 2020 college student. What does it mean to have your head anointed with oil? Uh, We don't see this played out. Delaney, we don't see this happen in our life. What does this look like? Here's what's amazing, okay, watch this symbolism. David is saying, watch, really walk with me here. David is saying that God anoints his head with oil. Let's go ahead and put the picture up there. This is a sheep. (laughs) Well, that sheep look happy as a mug? Look at that sheep. (laughs) That man ain't smiling, man. Goodness gracious, uh, might little like Dakota when he gets some food in front of him, man. That man ain't smiling. Where Dakota? My boy's in here somewhere. He was like, oh, hey, hey. All right, let's move on. Wasting time. The sheep here. Look at him. He's smiling. He's having his head anointed with oil. This is fascinating. Let's apply this to the life of a 2020 college student. Look at this on the screen. This should all be on the screen. Sheep can get their head caught in briars and die trying to get untangled. Do we have that slide? They might not even be in here, honestly. They might be up in the control room. Sheep, if it's not on the screen, listen to me really closely. Sheep can get their head caught in briars and die trying to get untangled. And what happens to sheep when they do this is there's horrible little flies. Horrible little flies, John. And those flies, what they do is they attack the sheep's head, and they go in the sheep's ear, and they lay eggs inside the sheep's head. It's gross. I know. You're going to have to bear with me for a minute. These insects are pests. They bug the crap out of you. They just, they wear the sheep down and they plant eggs inside the sheep's head. What happens to the sheep is these eggs that are planted inside their mind, it drives the sheep crazy. And the sheep literally start banging their head on concrete, literally trying to do something about the issue because they don't know what else to do. They bang their head onto the concrete until it kills them. But when the shepherd comes to the sheep, who the shepherd loves so much, And the shepherd looks at the sheep and knows that this sheep is going to face attacks from insects. What the shepherd does is he takes the oil. It's cool. It's nice. It's refreshing. And he he puts it on the sheep's head. And when that oil covers that sheep's head, it protects that sheep from any attacks from insects. I just want to ask you a question. David said his head is anointed with oil. You tell me, is it possible that the eggs laid in those sheep's brain, those insects, is it possible, Bree, that the devil, who is a pest, who will wear you down, is it possible that the insects represent the little bitty thoughts that Satan plants inside of your mind? You tell me here, we just walking through this. I ain't hooping and hollering, I'm talking to you for a reason. Is it possible that what God is communicating to us is that devil, the devil, his demons, just like those little insects, he plants thoughts inside your mind. And what happens is, look at me, when he plants those thoughts inside your mind and you don't have the anointing of oil, you don't have the spiritual heavenly covering that God can give you, what happens is literally sin will drive you crazy and some of you tonight literally feel like you are banging your head against a concrete. You're literally trying to solve this crisis that has happened inside your mind. Is it possible that comparison is the devil laying those little bitty eggs inside your mind and it's killing your life? All some of us do is compare ourselves to other people, our life, and how we talk and how we live and what we have and what we've gained. And it drives us crazy to the point where all we do is just bang, 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 bang. Is it possible? You tell me that just how the insect attacks the eyes of the sheep and the ears of the sheep, that you too have a devil who is attacking your eyes? That literally lust and pornography is killing your life? Is it possible? You tell me, but lust and pornography will literally kill you. It will kill your soul and some of you are addicted to it and you don't know how you can find freedom. I'll tell you how, the anointing of oil from God. Literally, it's those tiny little eggs that are planted inside your mind. One video you watch on Twitter. One picture you stare at too long on Instagram. Next thing you know, you're on websites you don't need to be on. You're talking about people gossiping you don't need to. And those little bitty eggs have hatched. And now you don't know what to do, and you're just banging your head against concrete. I don't know what it is for you, but let me apply this. I'm coming down here. Literally, when you pray... When you pray, God comes down from heaven and Ezekiel, he says he tears open the heavens and he literally comes down from heaven and anoints your head with oil. That's what prayer does. Prayer literally anoints your head with oil so that you have a spiritual covering from heaven that protects you from the attacks of the enemy. When you memorize God's word, you're literally anointing yourself with oil and then the devil comes to you calling, there's nothing he can do. Heaven has rendered him powerless. But some of you don't pray. You don't read the word. You don't memorize it. You don't fast. You've never fasted before. And that's why your head has no covering of oil around it. So any attack from Satan just plants right there in the middle of your brain. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 12 years. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 20 years. Let me tell you something. How long you've been doing this does not determine if you are susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. That's not in my notes. I don't know who that's for. I don't care what D group you've led. I don't care what life group you've led. I don't care how many people you've led to the Lord. I don't care. Let me tell you, you are susceptible to the attacks of the enemy when you don't pray. Prayer is literally a rope that you throw up to heaven. It attaches to the gates of heaven. And every time you pray, you pull that rope down. The gates open up and God's presence comes down to this earth and fills you and fills this whole room. That's what happens when we worship and when we pray. God literally tears open the open, heavens open and comes down in this place and that's why the view has experienced revival. Not anything because of man, but because of prayer. Let me tell you something. If you're tired of the attacks of the enemy, if you're tired of Satan laying eggs inside that mind of yours and causing you to beat your head on concrete, you need Prayer. I've been where you've been. I've been where you've been. I know the shame. He said, How can I be on a serve team and struggle with this sin? How can I be on a prayer team, a connect team, and struggle with this sin? How can I be in ministry and struggle with this sin? How can I take the gospel to Outback when I struggle with this sin? How can I take the gospel to the credit union when I struggle with this sin? How can I do all these things for God when I struggle with this sin? God will restore you, but only after you repent. You want those flies to get away. You want those thoughts to get away. Repent. I got to keep moving. David's head is anointed with oil because he spent time at the feet of Jesus. See, dependent. Moving very quickly here. C, dependent. Look at verse 2. God makes me lie down in green pastures. Make is not a request. If you're taking notes, write that down. This is not a request of God. This is not a suggestion of God. Uh, God is not coming to you and suggesting, hey, I think it'd be great if you lay down for a minute. (laughs) Like, I know you got a lot going on, and, uh, you know, I'm on your time, man. Like, listen, if you get some minutes, I think you need to lay down. No, God will literally make you lie down. And some of you are going, 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 going all the time, and you never take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Your soul is running on E. When will you stop? How many of you ever drove a car with a flat tire? You ever felt that feeling with a flat tire? You know what happens when you try to drive that car with a flat tire? It'll go. But every single time it goes, it's choo-choo, 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 and it's rough. It's not smooth at all. Every single turn is rough. Why? Because that flat tire does not have the air that fills it on the inside. That's why every single turn is rough. When you're burnt out and you don't lay at Jesus' feet and you have overwhelmed your calendar, you are a flat Christian. You are just like that flat tire. You're going, but every single time you go, every day, every meeting, every view, it's ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. I got to make a disciple today. I got to invest in somebody. ch 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 And it's never smooth. Show me your calendar. I'll show you your values. Show me where you're putting time in, where you're prioritizing your time. I'll show you what is a priority for you Corey ten Boom, I think that's how you said that, said, if the devil cannot make you bad, he will make you busy. And if you would just lie down and stop trying to change your circumstances, you would find so much peace. I literally, the night I got saved at that park at 21 years old, I've told you I laid face down on the ground. I still do that now. And I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm not telling you that to look at me. But when I pray, I often will lay face down on the ground at Jesus' feet, and I imagine myself lying at Jesus' feet. What's amazing is, you know, the whole reason why it says quiet water still waters in Psalm 23. It's because sheep cannot drink from running water. Sheep cannot drink from water that's moving quickly. They can't do it. Literally, their feet will not get positioned. They will not have a firm foundation. Sheep will literally fall in if they try to drink from running water. Sometimes when no running water is available, what a shepherd will do is a shepherd will cut a small pond right by the running water where still water will come in and the sheep can plant its feet and drink. In other words, a sheep cannot drink from water and be restored if it's trying to multitask. If it's got one foot planted and one foot not planted, the sheep cannot drink. Do you think God's trying to tell you, hey, you can't multitask your time with God? Some of you literally open up the Bible. What you do is you open up the Bible and you set this right there. Do you realize what you have done? You have literally set a portal next to your Bible. You are literally getting notifications every minute from your phone from the world and trying to engage with the creator of the world. It doesn't work like that. Take this, put it in a drawer, close the drawer, close the door to the room, close the door to the hallway, close the door to the house, go outside, close the gate to the backyard so nobody can come in. Like whatever you have to do to get away and be with God, either do it or time with God is not a priority. Take the devil device and move it away from your presence. I gotta keep going. The last thing is dirty. The last one we land in the plane where I want you to end is dirty. Sheep. They have a white coat. And that white coat, they're so helpless. They're so directionally challenged. That white coat gets dirty. It picks up sweat. It picks up branches. It picks up filth. It picks up all this thing on its coat. And the sheep cannot clean itself. The shepherd as loving as he is, comes in and cleans the sheep. It's the shepherd who takes the time to clean the sheep's coat because the sheep's coat got itself in trouble. For a lot of you tonight, you walked in and it's your coat that's got you in trouble. It's your flesh, it's your sinful nature that gets you dirty. And I know you do. I Listen, you don't got to tell me I know you got sin in your life that you hate. I know you do. When you repent, here's the beautiful picture of Psalm 23. When you repent, the shepherd's act comes to you and cleanses you. He cleanses you of that sin. It's because of Jesus' shed blood on the cross that he is the good shepherd and he has come down and he will cleanse you of that sin. And if I can give you any advice to someone who's married, do it now. Don't wait till you're married. Do not carry sin Into fatherhood or motherhood, deal with it now. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. Hey, the last thing I want to do, I want everybody in this room. I want everybody in this room on the count of three. I want you to do something for me. It's very easy. On the count of three, I want everybody in this room, everybody, I mean full participation here. I want everybody in this room to yell their name at me. (laughs) I would love to learn your name. Everybody. I'm serious. Even in the back. I would love to learn your name. Now, I want you to do this. I'm serious. Let me count on, let me count on three, and then at the same time, I want everybody to tell me their name. Is that cool? Yeah. Thank you. Like one guy. Like, my name's Richard. <laughs> you ready? All right, here we go. One, two, three. Yes. <laughs> Did you catch anybody's name? I didn't catch anybody's name. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Everybody. One, two, three. Yes. I can't. I still, I'm sorry. It's not working. It's not working. Let me let me do this. Let me do this right here. Let me take this half of the room. Everybody on this side. So you guys, thanks for participating. Love y'all. But everybody on this side, your name on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Yes. do y'all catch anything? Do you hear somebody's name? I still cannot hear your name. I'll do it. I'll shorten it down. Let me shorten it. I got too many people. Let me do these front three sections right here all the way down. Just you front three. You ready? One, two, three. I, have, like, I hear part of a name, but then I hear part of another name. Listen, I'll, I'll shorten it down. Just give me this front row right here, all guys. Y'all better be like, uh, Logan. <laughs> row, row right here. I see you. Ready? Three, two, one, go. <laughs> Listen, this is what I do. Listen to what I do. This is what I do. It's, it's still too many people. I'll shorten it down. Just, just one person tell me. You now. I know you're like, I did not come here for this. <laughs> tell me your name on three. You ready? One, two, three. Jackson. Jackson. Thank you, Jackson. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. As I was thinking about ending the sermon, I wanted to end it with one last verse. It's a verse you've heard. I love it. It's John 10, 27. It's on the screen. Look at it. It says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I just want to ask you one last question tonight. In your life if you are claiming to follow Jesus, do you hear his voice? Can you hear Jesus's voice? What's amazing is Jackson was telling me his name the whole time. He was talking to me the whole time, but I couldn't hear him until I silenced every other voice of this room. Let me tell you something. You want to know why you're walking around confused about your calling, confused about your purpose, confused on what God is really saying to you? It's because you are trying to hear the voice of God, but you're not willing to silence all the voices of this world. As soon as I silence those voices, I got Jackson's name crystal clear. The moment you decide to silence the voices of this world, you will hear God clearly. Through his word, you will hear his voice. And then that verse tells us what's next. You will follow him. Maybe the reason you're having a hard time following Jesus is because you don't know how to hear his voice. You've got all these voices going at you 100 miles an hour.